0: I'm bringing uh, a word to you, and it's called discerning God's voice. It's called discerning God's voice. I haven't shared this before. I've shared messages on discerning God's voice before, but I haven't shared this message before. And I I was just thinking about um, all the voices that are going out today, all the, let's just say, opinions. And when I say a voice, I'm talking about an expressed will or desire or opinion from someone or something that's seeking a response of some kind from, from you or from me. It doesn't just mean like voices in our head. Um, there are many voices, many opinions that are lobbying for our compliance and our attention. Uh, in the, in the, not just in the media, but everywhere. Culturally, politically, uh, even in the church. Um, some of us, we just aren't sure what to believe. We're not sure what to think. I mean, obviously if I said, what do we believe? What's the truth? We would all say the word of God. But um, in these kinds of times, what is the Lord causing us to focus on? Because even Christian voices are saying, quite frankly, sometimes the opposite thing. So I begin to think about uh, how we need to learn how to discern the voice of God, especially in the times that we're living in. What is God saying to us in these situations? What is the voice of the Lord? That's the question that we've always got to ask. What does God say about this? We can have a lot of opinions, a lot of viewpoints, a lot of ways of looking at things, but we, we've got to be people that know what God is saying. We've got to know how to discern his voice because we represent Jesus, and it's imperative that we represent his voice, and sometimes that means that we don't have an opinion. Sometimes it means that we don't say something. Sometimes it means that we restrain ourselves from speaking. You know, we don't always have to have an opinion about what's going on, amen? Amen. There's wisdom in restraining yourself at times when everybody throws an opinion out there. I was, um, I'm going to loosen up a little bit. Are you okay with that? (laughs) And it's not not because I think I'm right. I just want to talk where I think we're at, or at least where some of us are at. My friend, my really close friend who I came to the Lord with 17 years ago, we got baptized together. He'll probably watch this. He doesn't go to our church anymore because they moved to West Seattle very close friend of mine, he posted something on his Facebook, and I don't follow everybody on their social media, but he's a guy that, you know, we're close friends, so I saw his post, and he was asking the question about this football player who basically sat down during the national anthem and has taken a knee, and he asked this question, you know, is it right or wrong? And he was genuinely, in his mind, asking whether or not people thought it was right or wrong for him to do that. You know, obviously, there's been this debate. If you're not aware of it, uh, you can Google that. You can look that up after the service, hopefully not during my message. But you can look up what that's all about. And I don't typically post. I don't typically, I mean, I send out posts and people like or don't like, but, but I don't typically, like, respond to that kind of stuff. I, I've, I've tried to restrain myself in these current days. <laughs> but I can tend to have an opinion. I want to admit that to you. And so I posted something, and I won't go into what I said, but it was just, it was a reaction. It wasn't God's wisdom or God's heart or God's mind. It wasn't a scriptural, it, it wasn't bad. It was, it was fine. It was maybe something you'd consider a normal way in on, on, a, on a situation like this. But the minute I posted it and, and, and hit enter, I knew I shouldn't have done it. Some of you are smiling because you're like, oh, yeah. There's a few of you that are like, I ain't on social media. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. So, but I knew that I shouldn't have done that. And, and my friend responds back to me. And within like an hour, there was like so many posts on this one thing in response to it. And one guy's like, well, I'm an, as an African-American pastor, here's what I think Another person's like, as a a leader, as a pastor, several people were and weren't Christians. It was just so many different responses. And I found myself reading these responses and this emotional thing was going on in me because I had weighed in. And when you've got your opinion out there, now all of a sudden it's being weighed with everyone else's opinion. And I don't even want to get involved in that. I just want to be a man of prayer, a man of the word, a man of conviction. I don't want to get involved in all this. There's a time to speak. There's a time to act. Scripture would teach us these kinds of things. I'm not, I'm not su- suggesting otherwise. But there's also a time, in a world of voices, in a world of opinions, even among the church where you should do this or you shouldn't do that or you should say this and you should, it's all over the place. I mean, I mean, everybody's got an opinion these days. There are days where I've not even known if what I'm saying matters. I mean, I hate to say it, but they're like, I'm just one among many. And my wife always reminds me it does matter. So I'm like, Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Married up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but as I weighed in on this, and I was reading all these different views, my friend gave me a call, and he just was genuinely like, Well, what do you think about this? And I realized all of a sudden, I don't know how it was, if it was a revelation from the Lord or I don't, I don't know, but in my mind, I realized that I was conflicted, that even my response was conflicted because some people were responding as an American, even Christians, just as an American, like we have the rights to do what he's doing. He has the right, amen, he's got the right to do that or he would get kicked out. So clearly that nobody's... As an American, he has the freedom to do that. And we, people were conf- conflicted about his freedom as an American and his freedom as a Christian, which I don't know that the guy is. But Christian people were responding. And you could see the mixture in my response. And you could see the mixture in other people's response. It was just there. And I realized all of a sudden that's what I had done. I had mixed my freedom as an American and what I think is okay and not okay and my freedom as a Christian and wanting to do what God would want me to do. Or say what God, what is God's opinion or mind about it? I had mixture. And I thought, isn't that the confusion that we often find ourselves in? We have voices that are influencing us. I'm just bringing it. You want to know what I said. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I'm just not going to tell you. And I, I don't actually, at this point, I don't even think I was fully right. I just admit it. I don't even think I was fully right. And I, and I learned a lesson. I'm not going to get back involved in stuff like that because I didn't care anyways. I mean, it was just... <laughs> what I care about is racism. That's what I, but you can get bound up in all of this, the, what he did, was it right or... I mean, honestly, like what I care about is racism and that dying in the 21st century. That's what I care about. So don't... You can get off on these things because, again, the voices start to come. And all of a sudden, we get wound up and bound up in a conversation that was about the conversation that we should really be having. And I, I, I was, co- Lord, I want to know what you say about this. As Christian people, what I want to encourage you toward is that we learn how to take a step back and ask God, according to his word, what it is that he thinks about the stuff that's going on. And there are times where God may or may not weigh in on the, uh, The answer for this cultural conversation, but at the root system, God's got something to say. He's about something in this world that you and I are also about, and we don't want to get sidelined. We are people that can hear the voice of God, and we've got to be really good in our times at discerning what God is saying in the midst of all that is being said. We have so many voices. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, "'My sheep hear my voice,' I know them, and they follow me. Jesus talked about his people knowing his voice. Now, when I was going to a church that, um, you know, back when I first started, they said, if you want to hear God's voice, then you just open the Bible. And I would be like, well, amen. But then I started realizing that there were a lot of different interpretations that people had on the Bible, and they couldn't even come into agreement. Isn't that interesting? We're not going there today. Amen. We're not going there today. But we could go there today. And so I, I just, there's so many that, that there's so much going on. How do we discern the voice of God? How do we really know what God is saying with the people and the causes and the comments and the ideologies in the midst of all of that? What does the Bible teach us? How to be people of prayer and people of action based on what we're hearing God say because I think all of us want to do something, and God is speaking to us, and we want to respond to God's voice, but we've got to make sure that what we're responding to and what we're responding with is, in fact, the Lord. I mean, I'm not interested in being just opinionated. I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. I know I'm not, by the way. I know I'm not, but it, but we don't have to weigh in on everything, and an indication that something might be a little askew in our thinking is that we are always weighing in on stuff that, quite frankly, we're not supposed to. And we've got to learn to back up and be patient with what God is trying to say so that we can carry His message and His words to a world that that needs to hear from God. They don't necessarily need what's in my back pocket. The world doesn't need my opinions. I learned that the older that I get... my opinion always doesn't matter. I find myself on the phone sometimes with people like, hey, are you still there? I'm like, yeah, I'm just listening. So there's voices, and we need to discern through all of the the noise. In Romans chapter 12, I believe the apostle Paul gives some clarity about how to discern what God thinks, and I want to bring this to your attention. In Romans 12, verse 1, I'll read. It says, "Therefore." speaking, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, God's intentions, God's desires, what God wants, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Paul is writing to the Roman church, and it seems from chapter one that he's never been there before. He didn't plant this church. We actually don't know who planted the church in Rome, but in chapter one, Paul says, I long to come to you, indicating that he hasn't been there before, or at least been among the churches in Rome. And he's writing to Jew and Gentile. The Jews in AD 49 had been kicked out of Rome by by the emperor. And uh, he died in, I believe, 54 AD, and so the Jews were making their way back. And Paul writes this right after the Jews were making their way back. So when the Jews were kicked out, they were basically the leaders of the church, if you can imagine. These were the leaders of the church. The church was birthed in their homes. Priscilla and Aquila was two that were named among the church. And so then the, 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 the church was left into the hands of Gentiles. And it grew in the five to six years where there were, there were no Jews and the leadership had left because they were kicked out. And so now, as the Jewish people are coming back, the Gentiles have been leaving the church for five to six years. It's grown considerably and they're trying to figure out how to integrate back together, these two people groups. And Paul speaks to that. That's why he gives so much theology about the law and Christ in the midst of the law. It's, it, this is important stuff to know why Paul would write, when he would write, and what he would write. And, who he was writing to. It's important. So there are a lot of Gentiles, a lot of people that didn't have the law. They didn't have the moral compass. They didn't know in the Old Testament what God had said to a people, but the Jews did. They knew those kinds of things. And so Paul is saying these kinds of things to them, and it's really a call to holiness in a sense. By the mercies of God, I call you to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. As he's explaining the gospel in detail based on the platform or the foundation of the old covenant. He's calling them to uh, holiness, personally, publicly, challenges them with these verses. And he says at the end of verse 2, and I want to draw your attention to this based on what I'm sharing with you and discerning God's voice. He says, do these things so that you may prove what the will of God is. If you do these things... You do them so that you may prove, you may attest, you may discern what the will of God is. You have, he's speaking to them, a problem discerning what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. But these things are prerequisites to knowing what God's will is, discerning what he is saying. And I think they'll prove helpful for us. There are three points. I'm a three-point preacher, but there are three points in there, so we work together. And the first one that Paul says is this. He says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Present your bodies. He tells them that this is what they're called to do. The language of sacrifice was familiar to the Jews in Judaism and to the Gentiles in paganism. This isn't something that's familiar to me. If somebody were to say in a modern term, like, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. I don't make sacrifices. I don't have any friends that make sacrifices. I know they do that in the world. It's not something that I'm familiar with. But a sacrifice is utterly and completely consumed. You put a sacrifice on the altar, and fire is on the altar, and it consumes the sacrifice. And God is saying, present your whole body, everything that you are, your eyes, your ears, your mind, your feet, your hands, everything that you are, present that to God, wholly and completely. God will consume you. You're a living sacrifice every day that you're alive. You're a sacrifice unto God, all of you, not part of you, but all of you. And as I'm reading this, I'm thinking one of the reasons why there's so much confusion in what God is saying is because there's not a full surrender. When there's not a full surrender, you can't discern the voice of God because part of you is held back. And I would say in our modern 21st century, the Western world, we struggle with this. We struggle with our thinking, what we were told to believe. We struggle with our opinions, our views, what this teacher taught us, what this CNN or Fox News or whatever we listen to, talk radio, we listen to all of these voices. And instead of listening to the voice of God, we wouldn't even know this was happening, but we become influenced by everybody else's voice. And if we're not fully surrendered to God, we're not fully listening to God. If God doesn't have all of your mind, you're not going to hear all of his. If God doesn't have all of our heart, we're not going to carry all of his. If God doesn't have our time, if we're not offering our time, our 24 hours a day to him, then we're going to be having we're going to have a problem in discerning his voice. Cuz our ears are not fully open. Lord, we we pray, God, will you speak to me about this? But often the Lord is speaking to us every day about a lot of other things. And then when situations tend to happen, we realize we're in this conundrum because I'm not fully God's, I'm kind of held back, but I really need to hear about this. And it brings us to a place of conviction when we're in those moments. It reveals something's not right about our walk with God. And so we tend to be feeling guilty in the moments where we need to have answers, and I would say to you, like no matter what that looks like for every one of us, when we surrender our life to God, I'm not saying when we're perfect, I'm saying when we surrender our bodies to God, He begins to speak to us and we can hear Him more clearly. If we don't give a full presentation, we're going to live in negotiation. And that's a bad place to be. It's even worse to be there in moments where we really need to hear from the Lord and we thank God for the body of Christ because we work together in those moments. We need to be wholly set apart. You know, we come to Christ with a lot of pre programming. You come to Christ with a lot of pre programming. When I came to Jesus 17 years ago, I thought a lot of things, I was saying a lot of stuff, I was believing things that were lies. I mean, I believe lies about God, I believe lies about myself, I believe lies about the country, I believe lies about the world, I believe lies about the devil. There were things that I believed that I had picked up along my journey, and when I came to Jesus, they didn't just all go away. I still had that pre-programming, and God wants to deconstruct that pre-programming so that he can reprogram us and we become useful in every situation. Not opinionated, not my version of what I want to say and get off of my chest, but we become the voice of the Lord to the people of our generation. But we've got to give over our mind, our heart, our body. We're a living sacrifice. This is worship unto God. Holy, acceptable, This this is worship. He says... Present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your, in one translation says, your reasonable act of worship. And so it is possible to come to a church building, and I'm not saying that's bad. (laughs) We should come together. And it is possible to raise our hands, and it is possible to put money in the offering, and it is possible to join a small group and still not fully worship God by surrendering our lives. It is possible is what he's saying. What is acceptable to God? Do not hear me say perfect because I think people misunderstand this at times. Well, I'm not perfect, Ben. But are you waking up in the morning saying, God, I'm yours? You find yourself in places where everybody's got something to say and then you just throw your opinion in on it as well. And do you pray about those things? We, we've got to be a people of Of God's voice and not just our own. That's the thing, He bought us with a price. We are no longer our own. We are in Christ. And as those who are in Christ, we're carrying what God thinks. Now, I'm not saying every time somebody says, Hey, what do you think about this? You go, I don't know, I gotta pray about it. I don't know, I gotta pray. I gotta ask God. Amen, I gotta ask God. Sometimes He doesn't tell me, so I don't really know. I can't really talk about that. I'm not saying get weird. I just can envision Noah doing that, you know. I just, or he would just be a Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know. (laughs) Noah, what do you think about that? (laughs) If you know Noah, that's funny. But there's this reservation, not that we're reluctant people, but that we have a reverence for what God thinks about things, right? And that our minds are not our God, Our opinions are not our God. It's it's amazing how this can happen. The second thing that Paul says is, I'm saying it like this, guard your heart. Be not conformed to this world. I'm saying guard your heart. Another way of saying this would be don't allow yourselves to be shaped by, fashioned after, or copy the customs and behaviors of those who don't know what you know or hear what you hear or have what you have. We're often, we're often allowing people to speak into our hearts and our minds and our lives that don't carry the message that we carry. They don't say the things that the Bible says. They don't have the heart and the mind of Jesus Christ. And so they begin to shape our life, and we're not guarding our gates. We're not guarding our ears. We're not guarding our eyes. We're not guarding our heart. And it's no wonder why we end up becoming everything but what the Bible teaches us that Jesus wants us to walk like. is because we're letting all of this stuff come in and influence who and what we are. And we wake up in the morning and we wonder why we are a certain way. It's because the right influences aren't shaping us and the wrong ones are. And we need to stand guard over the gates of our eyes and our ears and our mind and our thinking and our heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, watch over your heart with diligence. It says, guard your heart, for from it flow the issues of life. The things of our life just begin to flow out of our heart, and if we don't guard it, if we don't watch over it, and our children, and our spouses, and our churches, if we're not guarding over what people are hearing, and they're just absorbing this cultural message that says whatever it says, if we're not guarding carefully, We will end up being shaped by the very thing that we are against with the gospel. The gospel sets us free from the very things that we're entertained by. Come on, somebody, you know what I mean. And I know people don't like to talk about this stuff. We're, we're very sensitive to it. You know, Ben, don't don't talk about music and don't talk about movies. I'm not saying it's all the devil vision and all that. But yeah, I'll tell you this, though. There's something wrong when, like, for example, here's a thought. Can I share with you a thought? I told you I was getting loose, y'all. I told you I was getting loose. Was gonna, there's a few of you getting nervous because there's only a few of you clapping. That's all right. That's okay. I'm not insecure at all. I'm just... But, like, I think, about like a, a, I think about a woman, for example, and I think, like, um, you know, we're all against immor- sexual immorality. We're all against pornography. We're against that. Pray for the people that are involved in that, that they get saved, delivered, freed. Pray for people that are bound to that, addicted to that, that they get freed out of that and they get restored back to sexual integrity and not objectifying people. For what they look like or what they do for another person, but rather they have dignity. Women, men have dignity. And I was thinking about how sometimes people can say, you know, I'm really against pornography, and then they watch movies that have that stuff in it. Or or, or better yet, listen to this like Christian people I'm talking about. And it's, it's that duality inside of us, it's that hypocrisy inside of us that we know we're not always guarding our gates say, Ben, why are you saying that to me? Because we are losing a battle on sexuality in our culture, Christian people. We're losing right there and I'm, I'm, I'm taking a stand. I don't want our young people to be addicted to this garbage. I don't want them to be born and raised on this stuff and the secrets. I want their secret place to be filled with prayer and petition before God. I want, I want a generation to rise up because I believe that they can. I don't want young men to not be able to look me in the eyes when I start talking about this issue. The enemy strips our authority and takes it away from us. And we no longer pray God delivered them because he hasn't delivered us. He takes our authority from us. And God wants to give it back where we walk around our houses and we take authority over our homes in Jesus' name. And this stuff won't be in my home in the name of Jesus. I won't allow it. And if there's any lying spirit or if there's any evil thing that tries to come into my home, I take authority over it. We're not just dealing with natural stuff here. There's an assault. There's an attack. That's why we must guard our gates. I was thinking about the music, you know. And it's like if you have dignity, we can't be entertained by the very thing that we say we're not for. I listen to some of the music out today and I pray for these people that sing like this because they're just singing about women and they're singing about this stuff that is just terrible. I mean, they're, you don't have to say, I man, we got some. But I listen to the songs, like the number one songs, and I'm like, I'm not talking about being holy and going off into the mountains and never listening to anything or never seeing anything and never talking to anybody. I'm talking about guarding our gates that we're not influenced by things that, quite frankly, should not have an opinion on how we think and feel because we are discerning the voice of God and carriers of the truth I have a no-tolerance message inside of me. I just do. No tolerance. I'm for people, but I'm not for what people always do or say. Amen? I guard my gates from that stuff because I realize that it's shaping a generation, whether we believe it or not. It's what's happening. It's even in the church. And so we've got to talk about these things. There are many voices that several that i Wrote down here, I, I write about them in my book, there's more, but the voice of the enemy, the voice of the flesh, our sinful desires, the voice of our past. It always tells us we can't get beyond what we were or where we were, the voice of the world, cultural opinions, political agendas, agendas, popular perspectives, you know, even cliches, right? The myth cliches in the church, where we say things that really aren't in the Bible. And we think that, they're, you know the Bible doesn't it say in the Bible somewhere? No, ma'am, sir, it does not say that in the Bible. Jesus never said that. And we buy into these ideas. Our versions of love, for example. Isn't God love? See, if God was love, he would never say that. No, biblical love is a lot different than what you're communicating right now. But see, you have to read the Bible to know that. We've got to be reprogrammed in order to know that. Our mind has to be renewed to be able to discern the voice of God in the culture that we're living in. Because it sounds right when people say God is love. That's true. That's true. But if we're not talking about the right kind of love, then we're reducing it down to cultural love and we're not hearing the voice of God when people are speaking on behalf of God saying this is what He would do and this is what He wouldn't do. And somebody that isn't studying the Bible, that doesn't know what it says, that doesn't understand any of that is saying this is what God would say and this is what God is when it's a misunderstanding of what was being communicated in Scripture, the eternal Word of God. But when you're guarding your gates, you're not just being skeptical. You're like, I wonder if that's what the word really says. I wonder if that's what God really meant. I'm wondering because I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to miscommunicate God. I don't want to be undiscerning in a time where people actually need to hear the voice of God. One of the concepts I talked about at our Hearing God class was that people are always, I talk about God being a father. The Bible's very clear God's our father. But it's amazing how people think or turn that into... C.S. Lewis, I can't quote him on this, but he talked about how many people would rather have a grandfather than a father. Because the grandfather, which I'm not yet, but someday looking forward to be, can spoil, you know, send them home and not have to father all of those issues, instruction, direction, correction, and parent that child to become a man or woman that has dignity, respect, and honor and contributes to the lives of other people, you can just give them candy, pop, and popcorn and send them home to mom and say, good luck. (laughs) They don't have to discipline you. They can call the parents and say, yeah, they're running a mess, I'll send them over to you anytime now. You know, I mean, they don't, that's a grandparent. That's not a father, right? So C.S. Lewis talks about that conundrum where, People say they want God to be their father, but they mistake and misunderstand a grandfather for a father. They really want a grandfather. And he goes as far as saying a senile grandfather. That's what he says, C.S. Lewis. He just says senile. They can't see what the young person really needs. But we misunderstand and I think we misinterpret the voice of God. We're not discerning the voice of God properly. the voice of the enemy, I started on this a couple weeks ago, and I I don't like to talk a whole lot about that, but I, I really think that we need to. The Bible says the enemy is an accuser, a liar, a deceiver, a father of lies. How is it that the enemy comes against people? Well, you would see from Scripture, for example, in Genesis 3, when the enemy comes against Adam and Eve, he lies to them, and they believe him, and humanity suffers as a result of it. What do you see in 1 Chronicles 21, David was incited or tempted by the enemy to number Israel's armies. And what that meant was he doesn't trust in the Lord. He's trusting in his own ability to calculate what they have or don't have. Do we have enough to defeat the other armies? And his commander rebukes him and says, don't count them. God will take care of us. He does it anyways. And his people are affected by that. John chapter 13, verse 2, you remember the story of Judas. Judas. It says that Satan put it into Judas's heart to betray Jesus, John 13, 2. That verse disturbs me deeply. It means that there's somehow an ability from the enemy, demonic warfare, to transmit signals. We call them temptations. We've accepted that kind of language. They can tempt. Not all the time. Some of it's our flesh, the voice of the sinful desires. But the enemy will do this, and it's not just directly, but it's indirectly through the culture through political agenda. Sometimes people will equate certain political parties with the kingdom of God. Ladies and gentlemen, Republican Party, Democratic Party is not the kingdom of God. They're going to lie about some stuff. I I didn't see Jesus up for candidacy. And it doesn't mean everything that's said and done is lies. That's not what I'm saying either. But we've, people will make it synonymous instead of taking a step back. And so you end up in conflict with people that you're supposed to love and speak to and be a contributor towards. But now because you're a Democrat and they're a Republican or vice versa, all of a sudden you can't even have a conversation and love them, which is what God wants you to do and what he put in your heart to give to them. And we're not discerning the voice of God because we're being swayed and persuaded to become people that you and I were not meant to be. You have the right to vote. We have the right to vote as Americans. And we should use that right. I'm, 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 I'm registered unaffiliate. Proud of that. It means I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Isn't that the point? But I think it's important that we don't misunderstand and therefore end up not discerning the voice of God. And if we're not guarding our gates... Some stuff's gonna come in that we're not seeing. We're not really hearing. I'm I'm not even asking you to fully agree with me. I'm just asking you to consider what I'm saying. You know what a stronghold is? The Bible talks about stronghold in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. A stronghold is a house made of thoughts in our mind. That's what it is. A stronghold is a house made of thoughts, there's a strategic plan. Against every person. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.12, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. Meaning something is against you and we are against something. The enemy. The plan of the enemy. Against. Our struggle, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. Just people. There's something behind the mind of the system often that's constructed by unregenerate men and women who don't know the Lord that's why stuff exploits us and takes advantage of us. And we don't like that. We don't know how to speak to that all the time, but there's a mind behind the system, and it's not just the devil that's like using puppets in Pinocchio. It's this transmission of lies. And when people buy those lies... They're not demon-influenced or demon-possessed, but they become unwitting vessels for the perspective of the enemy, and it begins to destroy the lives of people. That's how it works. And when you and I get a stronghold in our mind, we start to believe something that's not true, and it gets rooted and grounded into who we are, and we become a certain way. And we don't even like it, but it's who we become. But here's the thing about lies. They can't stay when the truth comes. But if we're not fully surrendered to God, the strongholds cannot be broken. But when you're fully surrendered to God, the strongholds can be broken because truth shines its light, penetrates in the darkness, and now we become the effective, Christ-like, spirit-filled people that we're supposed to be. We're not perfect, but we're actually making progress towards those things that God has called us to. Because we're not here just to be moral. We're not here just to sit and be moral and have an absence of bad things. We're here to have the presence of righteous action to show forth Christ in the world. That's why when all these bad things happen, you and I and every one of us, we want to do something about it. It's just in us. Oh, I want to do something. But we don't know what to do. And that's where we step back and we say, God, what are you saying for me to do? What are you saying for me to do? But we've got to learn how to guard our hearts and break the power of the... You know what? Uh, just, man, I just, uh, this is what I feel. I just want to say this to some, there's some of us, we're just, we've got a stronghold in our thinking, and the, the enemy has power in certain areas of our mind, and I just need to tell you this, and I mean this with all sincerity, I can't leave it before, I can't leave this alone. You have authority in Jesus' name to break the power of the lies in your life. If you tell yourself you're nothing, if you tell yourself you can't do it, if you tell yourself you're no good, all of those things are absolute lies from the devil, and you can break the power of that. All of the things that are constructed in our thinking that keep us from loving people, I want to pinpoint this for you. There are some lies that become a perspective that is not the perspective of God. It is not the mind of Jesus Christ. And if we don't break that, then we are not going to offer to the world the thing that we're supposed to be carrying in the name of Jesus. We are called to change the world. Simple you and simple me. We are called to change the world because The Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. In other words, what we're carrying is dynamic, and the world needs it. We're frail, flawed, broken people. Sometimes we're getting it wrong. and, And those kind of people, God trusts us. And he puts his power on the inside of us, and he says, go, and I will use you in mighty ways. But we've got to believe that. And I find that a lot of people don't believe that. And they, man, that's a really, that's a great message, man. That's really good. I appreciate what you're saying, you know, for you. (laughs) You really encourage me what you're doing. Something on you, though. That's my job. I'm, there's something on you. Trying to get people to believe that with all all their heart. God's called you to carry something. And we just got to take authority over the enemy, his schemes, his lies. Some of us were raised with thinking that would tell us these kinds of lies. Not just personally, but also even in the church. We can barely even sit in the church because there are, there are these lies about the church. I had friends, they left the institutional church. That's what they call it. They go, you know, it's just everybody's full of themselves. and all. They have these lies. They sit here and they have these lies. And so if somebody doesn't greet them or somebody doesn't do something or somebody doesn't do this or that or whatever, these are the lies of the enemy, Everyone, we're, going, we're all going to get offended. I mean, guarantee it. I mean, you go to Walmart after the service, you're going to get offended. But what, are you never going to go to Walmart again? I mean, come on. Oh, man, Walmart, you know. I'm Target for life. You know, I mean, it's not going to happen. And I'm not saying you didn't have a bad experience in church. I've been humiliated. I've been offended. I've been talked about. I've been gossiped about. You and me both. But the enemy wants to divide us. He wants us to, he wants to pit us against each other because he knows if we're a unified people, something is going to happen in Mill Creek. He knows, he knows that if division can happen in marriages and homes, that children will not know what it means to have a mother and a father that look like Jesus. Come on. He knows that if he can come up in the church and lie to people, get us against each other, that all of a sudden we're, our, the plans that God has for us are completely thwarted. And we're just str- struggling to survive. God has more for us than this. And I'm not saying if you've been somewhere that you didn't intend on being that God can't redeem that. He's in the business of redemption right now. But we got to put our belief into what the word says. Guarding our gates, the last point that I have, and I have to close on this, is renew your mind. He, this is obviously the most important part, but if we don't present our bodies to him, full surrender, our mind won't be renewed anyways, right? If we're not learning to guard our gates, then our mind's going to be renewed by a lot of stuff and not just the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God. None of us are doing this alone. You can't, just, you can't just go home, read a Bible, and get your mind renewed by yourself. You have to walk in community. How many times people say, this is what God's telling me, and it is not what God's telling them. And I'm like the hearing God guy, so everybody thinks like, you know, I'm like a target for believing when somebody says, God told me, like, I'm just going to assume, I, I discern. I, I, you sit with me and you tell, like, people that say, God told me too much, don't spend that currency too often. Because I guarantee you what's going to happen is people will stop listening to you. Here's what I want. I want to be a person, as my mind's being renewed, as my heart's being renewed, when I say the Lord spoke to me, I mean it. I'm not joking around. I'm up last night praying for a couple hours. You know, I'm not messing around. I'm not just saying that frivolously because I had some picture dancing around in my mind, and I'm just going to say, God told me, I think. We've got more than that. I'm talking about there are men and women of prayer in this building, and we're hearing the voice of God. We're discerning what God is saying, and we're carrying a word that we need to hear. Scripture is the foundation for all of that. Of course, if we ever feel like we're hearing something that contradicts Scripture, It's not the Lord. But he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind or become new by changing the way you think. And Sherry, if you would come, thank you for patiently trying to figure out when I can have you come. Hardest job in the building, y'all. Sorry. (laughs) I did it again. My second week I did this to her. It's awesome. I owe her coffee. So... How do we renew? Uh, She's doing something. That's all I know. (laughs) Our thoughts equal our actions. And our repetitive actions equal our habits. And our habits equal our lifestyle. And if we don't like the way we are living, we can change. Our thoughts equal our actions. Repetitive actions equal Our habits, this is our lifestyle. This is who we end up becoming. Regardless of who we want to become, this is who we are. And you say to me, how does my mind get renewed? We've got to control what influences our thoughts. We've got to control what influences our thoughts. The word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God. There's reasons why I don't listen to everything. There's reasons why I don't feed myself everything mentally. I just don't. I don't allow certain voices in my life. It's not because I'm afraid. It's because on an ongoing way, we need to be saturated with the things that God is saying. In my inner circle, I'm friends with a lot of people, Christian, non-Christian. But in my inner circle, there's only a few people that get into that inner circle and get to edit my thoughts. There are a lot of people that try to edit my thoughts and they don't know me, and they don't ask any questions, but there's an inner circle of people that are unafraid to edit my thoughts. And they do, and I allow them to, I invite them to. If you wanna change your lifestyle, you've gotta get a hold of your influences. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. If you find yourself isolating yourself, that's not a good thing. You will have a hard time discerning God's voice. We discern God's voice in community together. It's in the word, but many of us have our own interpretation of the word. We walk out of church and we go, well, I don't know if I agree with that. It's easy to do that. It's real cheap. But when you sit down and have a conversation with someone about that thing that you easily disagree with, it all of a sudden becomes challenging, right? Because it starts to edit your disagree. Do you see how this works? These are times where we need to discern God's voice. We need to discern God's voice. This is, in my opinion, this is not something that we should negotiate. It's something that we should absolutely gravitate towards. Lord, what are you saying right now? What is your word teaching us right now? What are the things that we need to focus on right now? And how am I being hindered by that? And I would say to you as I close, everything starts with the decision to completely surrender. Present your bodies to God. Holy sacrifice, right? Living and holy sacrifice. My question to you is, have you done that? Have you presented your mind, your heart, your body, who you are, everything that you are, and said, Lord, I don't don't care what you ask me to do, I don't care where you want me to go, when you want me to speak, when you want me to not speak, I wanna place my whole body into your hands and I want you to, to tell me, I want you to teach me. It's not gonna happen overnight, Our mind needs to be renewed, but we change when we surrender our full self to God. We become the people that look like, speak like, live like Jesus Christ in the world. Wouldn't you agree with me that the world needs Christians that look more and more like Jesus and not like the opinionated world that is swirling around us in this confusion and chaos? I'm not confused. I may not be living everything that I'm supposed to live right now, but I am not confused. God is reaching his hand into this world for redemptive purposes. His gospel still works. His word is still the foundation. His truth still breaks the lies. I'm not confused. And I'm not going to get wrapped up in the voices all around me because I'm carrying opinions that haven't been given to God yet. I'm just going to give them to the Lord. My whole body. Presentation.